The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God, our eternal Redeemer, by the presence of your Spirit, you renew and direct our hearts. You always keep in, your mind, in our mind the end of all things and the day of judgment. Inspire us for a holy life here and bring us to the joy of the resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The first read, uh, reading is written in the 19th chapter of Job. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold and not another. Here ends the first reading. The second reading is from the second chapter of Thess Thessalonians. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, 
not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction, who opposes and rises up above every so-called God or object of worship, taking a seat in the temple of God and claiming to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, God called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Here ends the second reading. Today's Gospel readings from the Gospel of St. Luke, uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 27. Some Sadducees, those who, um, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, and then the second and then the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will, she, uh, will the woman be? For the, for the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is the God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated, and at this time, I invite the little Lutherans. How is everyone? All right. Okay, no fighting up here. All right, guys. Oh, I love your shoes, Ava Marie. You want to sit right here? No, not yet? Okay. Well, how many of you have ever looked at this sheet of paper that's in your bulletin? Yeah? What, what do you see when you look at it? Oh, it's green? Well, that's the color of the season. There's footprints, yeah. What do you think this sheet is about? Huh? Well, yeah, Jesus, but what about Jesus? Uh, like he died on the cross. Sure. 
But you know what? It's also about how we could take today's lessons and bring it home. It's called Taking Faith Home. And it's about hearing what we hear today in the readings and taking it home. And it tells you what Bible verses you should read each, um, each day of be between now and next Sunday. And then it even has a, a Bible verse for us to remember if we want to remember it. And it has some prayer suggestions for us that we should do when we have dinner or when we go to bed with our family, okay? And, and then there's also a little description of what today's talk was, is about. So in case you didn't get, you know, under, you didn't understand what I say, there's a whole thing, okay? And then there's a whole thing about how to serve each other. And then there's things you can do with your parents called rituals and traditions. There you could say, you could do, and here it says that we should always talk about um, what it means to be with Jesus, okay? So there's really cool things in here, and I, we've been having this in our bulletins for years, but you know, we re, we're gonna make an extra push for us to do this at home. So can you uh, make a promise to try to do this with your parents this week with, um, you know? Um, and so Jackson, you and I and mommy and Kit will do it, and you, Gunther, will do that with your mom and dad, and you and your brother, and your mom and dad, okay? Gavin, okay, and, um, and when you do that, I think it's really cool, and the prayers, it says there's a prayer of the week that you say every day of the week, there's one you can say at, at mealtime, and then there's one that you can say, um, or it's a, there's a, a blessing that you can give to everybody, okay, so how about if we end today with the prayer for the week, okay, so let us pray, eternal Savior, thank you for the promise of the resurrected body, that gives us eternal comfort and good hope. Amen. Thank you guys for coming up. So I hope you will take this seriously, okay? Okay, I think Nana's ready for y'all. Have fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you like a chip ahoy? Oh Lord, we're so grateful once again that we are able to worship and praise you. We're able to come as one and to take this time to learn more. We ask you, Lord, as we do so, that we are given a new understanding of your will for us, of your calling in our lives, and how we can live a more faithful life. Give us a new sense of your presence, a new sense of our purpose in you, so that we can be a source of faith, hope, and love for those that we engage, that we minister to each day. Amen. So when I was growing up in Minneapolis, uh, my dad and I often on Veterans Day and on um, um, Memorial Day, we always went to the cemetery, uh, Lakewood Cemetery in central part of South Minneapolis. And, and Lakewood Cemetery is, is uh, one of the huge cemeteries of the country. And it has, some, it has some famous people buried in it, like Hubert H. Humphrey, you may have heard of that guy. Um, and um, a lot of famous um, Minnesota governors are buried there. And a lot of the towns are, are communities that surrounds the Twin Cities. 
Those names are names of dead people buried in Lakewood Cemetery. So if you want to know the history of Minnesota, you go there. And you always know who the famous ones are, the most important ones, because they have the huge mausoleums. The Mars family is buried there. You may have heard of them from Mars Bars. Um, the Pillsbury family is buried there. And so you always knew where they, there, there was like the central district of the cemetery, if you will, where all those famous people are buried. And then in the outlying part of the cemetery are us, right? And my dad is buried out on the fringes of the cemetery by the fence. And so every time we went to his parents' graves and so forth, we always had to go by the Pillsbury's and the Mondales and so forth. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I've always found that those cemetery grave markers were just ostentatious and huge. There was a while there when I read in the Lakewood history book that there was competition to who could make the best looking grave marker, as if that mattered. One of the things I love about being a pastor here is that walking here, we don't have those ostentatious um, markers in our cemetery. What we have here are realistic and much more honest markers of our lives. We don't have our markers that continue to try to shout to the world how important we are. But instead, by reading the markers, we see the faithfulness of the people that used to be part of this congregation, that used to be the servants and the saints here. And I find it so much in, uh, so inspiring to be able to walk to church into the building and walking by those, uh, those markers. Because I don't see death as something to be afraid of, but I see those markers, especially as something that gives me inspiration, that gives me hope that what they did 100, 200 years ago will continue to happen. And what we do now is an investment in the future. We are in some ways being asked to be ancestors of our faith to future generations as they were for us. And so it's a great testimony. And some of my favorite grave markers on, on this property is not the ones that you can read the names, but the ones you can't read the names, way down by the road, you know, your ancestors. Though the very first ones, and for many people, if you looked at those grave markers, you'd feel bad, like, well, nobody knows who they are anymore. I know one of them is Michael Fulmer, you know. But you, can, and, and the, uh, you, you should feel bad because the world is potentially could forget them. But not if we have faith. We know that God is with us. God is guiding us. It's engaged with us. And so in today's gospel, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in today's first text, we have Job. Job. This is an amazing story. Have any of you read Job? It's quite an amazing story. Here's this farmer going about his life, and God must have been bored up in heaven because he talks to the devil. And what does he say to the devil? Well, the devil first says, hey, can I mess around with Job, right? And the devil says, sure, do anything you want with him. You just can't touch him. And so Job kills his family, destroys his wealth, on the surface of things, on, on an earthly understanding, Job was a joke. He couldn't keep his wealth, and he couldn't even keep his family alive. But then comes these words that we read today. You know, I know that my Redeemer lives. He sees through all that, and he's able to see that the world does, can get bad, can get ugly, but at the end of the day, there is still light in the world, and that light is Christ, that light is God. 
And so as a result, he still holds on to that faith. He still holds on. And that the world may forget Job, the world may make, think of him as a joke, but God is still there. He's the solid rock that, on which Job's faith and life continues to live, live by. And because of that, he becomes this amazing testimony to, the, to, 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 God, to faith in God that we read daily. And I read it at funerals every day, or I mean, every time I do a funeral. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we get to today's gospel text, which is it's a little confusing at first. It's a text, it's a story about the Sadducees. There were three main schools of, theolo of Jewish, Jewish theology back then. There was Hallel, which is what Jesus is considered to be. Uh, he's considered to be of the, of the, of the teaching of the, uh, of the Rabbi Hallel back then. And then there's the Pharisees, and they were the ones that had complete control of the temple and of Jewish practices in that time. They held control of everything. And then there was a group that was right behind them that had some control, had some influence, and that, is, that, that was the Sadducees. And, in, and, and I learned that the Sadducees were sad, you see, and the Pharisees were not fair, you see. I learned that in um, confirmation camp. That's how we keep the difference. One was not fair because they had power, and one was sad because they didn't have power. And so these two groups were always trying to figure out how to get Jesus. And the Pharisees, they tried and tried, and they always failed. They, Jesus always got them. So the Sadducees took their opportunity, and this is their one opportunity. They come up to Jesus, and they ask this preposterous scenario of a story. And on the surface, you would think it's, um, it's impossible. And, and then you know immediately that they're trying to test Jesus. And they ask him this preposterous story of a woman who may end up married to seven different brothers, and what happens? And what, what, the, what they're referring to was an ancient old tradition of Levite marriage where the widow, if she's childless, can continue to marry within the family. So that, in a way, it was to protect the widow from all the outrageous fortunes of widowhood. But in many ways, it was just taking advantage of a woman. And so... They ask, and Jesus turns it around, and she says, why do you care about what happens after the resurrection? And the thing you got to understand what Jesus is saying with them is that in Jewish theology, there is no theology of the afterlife. There is no theology after you die. They don't worry about what happens after you die, because for them, what's important is now. What happens after you die is too late. You have no hope. You have no chance of doing, undoing anything. So for them, the, the focus is on the here and now. And so therefore, what happens after this is, is, up, is not our concern anymore. If there is a resurrection, let it be. We can't change that. What we can change, what we can do is now. And so their theology is all about the here and now. And so it was already preposterous for them for anybody to come and talk about the resurrection with Jesus because they don't believe in it. And so, they, so right away you also knew that they were trying to test Jesus. And Jesus turns it around and says, why do you care? You never, did, you, know, you never did care about what happens after death. And let me tell you, you worry about the things that really in the end is, is important but has very little effect of what happens after. At the end of the day, it is not about the relationships you have with each other that matters. It's a relationship you have with one another, with God, that matters. And this whole text, this whole combination of texts today tells us that it is really an invitation to be 
of a deeper relationship with God, to be of a deeper relationship with the word of God. Because the thing about the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the, Pharisees and the Hillelians is that they knew the law of Moses. They knew all the precepts. They knew the inner workings of God, but they never knew God. They knew what was right and wrong, but they never knew the heart of God. They knew everything you would need to know to pass a test about the Torah, but to tell them what it was like to have a relationship with God, they did not know. And so what God is trying to invite them to understand, or what Christ is inviting them to understand, is that it's one thing to know the law and to try to quiz each other on the law, but where are you in that relationship with God that matters? I, I saw an example of, the, of that this week. Uh, we took Kit to get his uh, six-month shots um, this week. And while we were in the, in the clinic room there, um, I, I found a uh, Gideon Bible, and I opened it up. And it said, if you're dealing with all sorts of malady, like depression, but then the last thing, if you're having suicidal thoughts, read the word. And I had major issues with that. First of all, I wish you would have said, call 911 and then read the word. The problem is, they make it sound like you can turn to the word anytime you want and it's there. There's some truth to that. But to me, reading the word is not a one-time thing and you're going to get your answers. It's a relationship. It's, an, it's, an, it's, a, it's a practice. It's a regular event that you do. It's a relationship again. And so as a result, to open it up is not necessarily what you need to do, is what is the right thing to do. But it is a continual relationship building that reading the word has you, be, uh, has you doing. And it, it invites you into a deeper understanding of God. It is an engagement with God when you read the word. It's not the word that is so important. It's the relationship that comes from the word that's so important. So if you are having suicidal thoughts and you have never opened the word, what happens if you open up to the book of Judges, which is arguably the most bloodiest book in all the Bible? That's not going to give you hope. Right? What happens if you read it and you open it up and you read the part of Samson where he tears down the building on, and crashes on everybody? That's not necessarily going to give you hope. But if you've been reading the Bible and you can, you can then put those stories in the context of the larger relationship that God has with his people, then that will give you hope. So when you open the Bible and if you're having suicidal thoughts and you have never opened the Bible or barely opened, that's not going to help. And God, I don't think, is intending for you to use the Bible as a, um, as a temporary medication for your illness or for your momentary problems or very serious problems. It is an invitation into a deeper relationship. God reveals himself to us in the relationships we have with him through the word and through his people around us. It is not about just simply reading that's important. It is being drawn into that relationship that we are offered when we are in relationship with the word, with his people. And so these people that comes to Jesus and they say, what about the resurrection? Well, they don't understand the resurrection because they never bothered to understand it. And so they understood it in the terms of the laws of Moses and they only understood it in the laws of God. And they never understood the heart of God. And same thing with Job, when you read the book of Job, there are all these advisors, all his friends come to him. There are three friends that come to Job, and they give him horrible advice because they don't get Job's relationship. And they're like, well, this God's a joke. You must go and find another God. 
And finally, Job says, enough. I have this relationship with God. And at the end, everything's restored for Job because of the relationship that he had. And so today is a text in many ways that's about the end time. And I could have focused on that. But that's usually for the first two weekends in, um, in Advent. What I wanted to focus on is the word of God with you. Because I find that the word of God is, mis- is often misunderstood. It is often uh, an elixir for temporary illness of the heart that we have. Instead, it's really something much deeper. Something that is really an invitation into something much more meaningful. And yet so many of us have Bibles, but we rarely read them. In the United States alone, less than 20% read the Bible daily, according to a USA Today poll I saw about 10 years ago. And then, even then, they rarely read deeper than a few pages, I mean, a few verses. So my, here's my invitation to you, is that every Sunday we are prescribed with a uh, list of readings. There are up to four readings. There's an Old Testament reading, there's a Psalm reading, there's a Gospel reading, and a New Testament reading. Anything in the New Testament that's not the Gospel. <laughs> every day, every Sunday, those four readings I can pick from for us to read. And if we were thorough, we would read them all. And there are four sermons, I mean, four readings that's prescribed for every day of the year. And you can find it online if you really are serious. But I invite you to just do one of those readings. Take one of the readings that we have today and read it. I have out there on the ledge um, the printouts of our readings today. It's one of the things that we're focusing on with our new vision. Is that So I've been printing for the last two or three weeks now, actually more about a month, our readings, and it's sitting there on the ledge. I invite you to take it home and dwell on the word. Ask the word, where is God in this word? Where am I, how do I interpret my relationship with God in the word? And think about it and chew on it over the course of the week and see what God is talking to. And you'll see that as you do that, you will begin to see that there is an evolution in your relationship with God. And if you're even more ambitious, on the ELCA website, there is the list of all the readings for every day of the week. And I invite you to go do that if you want. And then you can do, take home a hymnal and do the matins or do one of the little services that's in the front of your hymnal. Or take, take that green sheet home, the taking faith home sheet. There, every day, there's, a, there's at least a Bible text that you can read. And it invites you with questions and that you can ponder upon. The key to a deep and committed relationship with God starts with us seeking God, starts with us finding him in in the word of God and in the people that we are surrounded with. And when we start to focus on what God is doing our lives in through the word and through others, we start to see the miracles and we start to see the presence of God alive and well in various ways. So I invite you, as we continue to redevelop our congregation, that we also commit to redeveloping ourselves in our relationship with God. And let that be one of the challenges that we personally take upon ourselves to enrich ourselves in our walk with Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, your word is word made of lead that the world cannot forget, 
and unlike gravestones, the winds and rains cannot erase. Help us, Lord. Help us to find time, find ways in which we can read the word more often daily so that we can base our life, we can put our hope upon the promises in those words and deepen our relationships with you and with others so that we may see you abound in our lives in miracles and in other ways. <coughs> may you, may we, Lord, continue to seek ways in which we can make your word be real to others also. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. United with the saints of every time and place, let us pray for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. Oh Lord, we are so grateful that we have, that you have called us into a relationship with you, into a deeper understanding of your working, workings in this world and in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be ever mindful of your presence with us so that when we are straying far from you, we can find our way back to you, that you beckon us back into your embrace. Lord, help us to be a source of hope, source of strength, and be a source of your presence for those who are seeking for you or who are lost, making, trying to make sense of the world around them and their lives. Help us not to be judgmental, but to be loving. Help us to be about revealing your glory so that those who are in search of deep relationships, meaningful lives, are given one, are finding one in you. Help us, Lord, to find more time to read your word and to see your revelation in the pages of the Holy Scriptures. Help us to find ways in which you speak to us through those words and so that we are given a new insight and deeper understanding of your relationship with us in creation. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord to give thanks to all the things you've given us in this world, for all the gifts of this creation and for the people in our lives. We lift up to you, Lord, this day, the people that we love, that we pray for, but can't be with us. We especially lift up to you, Bruce, Herman, Natalie, Hulda, John, Eileen, Ray, Robert, Letha, Roger, Wilbur, Shirley, Randy, Ed, Joanne, Edna, Thelma, Cindy, Carl, Carol, and Dick. 
Lord, we ask that you, they are made as whole as they can. But that's this day we especially lift up to you, Dick. And we, great, we are grateful that Bobby is back home. We lift up to you, Lita, as she continues to recover from her shaking. Lord, we're grateful for all the people that are here and the servants that, try, that are trying to make your church a beacon of hope for this community. Help us to not lose faith, not lose hope, but help us to be, um, help us to make this place a place where love is practiced and grace is spoken. Lord, we lift up to you all your servants in this congregation and elsewhere that we, are, we keep focus upon the word that you give us. We lift up to you our sister congregation, St. John's, all of the churches in this community, regardless of denomination. We lift up to you missionaries and those who spend lives teaching others your, your, your presence, your ministry, so that the world may knew you, know you better because of them. Bless them in their work and allow us to support them in the ways that we can. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now you may be seated. Let's pray together the offertory prayer. God, our creator, you have given us what we are, all we have, and all we bring, and all we need. Draw us together around your table with all your saints on earth and in your eternal home. Let us eat and drink your promise of new life that we might be your promise to the world. Spoken in Jesus' name, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us receive the benediction. Signed and, signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are Christ's message of love for this troubled world, written by the same sender. May our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort you. Oh, we're back. 
comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Amen. Go in peace. Set your hope on Christ. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Our closing hymn is number 161.